This is the Rational Fides podcast, and you're listening to Fide Viva. And today's topic is on the significance of unconditional election. Election or predestination. This is one theme from the Bible that, as R.C. Sproul once said, provokes more theological discussion than anything else. Why is this important? So that man's principal hope is no longer in him but in God. Like Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. For everything, even the faith that we affirm, God must get not only a small portion, but all of our glory. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 say, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now there are a couple of problems, I am sure that the unconditional view of divine election poses. And I am only highlighting the most common objections against it. The first one is, what about human responsibility? If God elects unconditionally, then it's all fatalistic in the end. The second most common objection is that, how can God be just by choosing to elect some and not the others? I don't think I'll be able to answer both questions within such a short span of time. I'll probably have to do another episode for that. But let me tell you some of the problems that the foreknowledge view of election poses, which, in my understanding, are more serious than the problems found within the unconditional view. Here are my observations. Number one, if God elects, by foreknowledge of future faith, then he isn't really in control of the events that are leading to the affirmation of faith. And so he is no longer omniscient or omnipotent or sovereign, and by that reckoning he is no longer God. Everything is left to chance, and so the exercise of electing becomes absolutely redundant. Now at this point, some of you might say, hey, wait, that's not how it works. God is sovereign, but he respects our free will. He cannot violate that. He cannot put the onus of our belief upon himself. Well, I'm not the one who's saying that. It's you who is saying that. Because the minute you affirm divine sovereignty, you conclude by simple syllogism that what's foreknown is predestined. Because what's foreknown is certain. And what's certain, by virtue of God being sovereign, is therefore predestined. Number two, if God elects by foreknowledge of future faith, then is our incomplete and imperfect repentance all that he counts? If your answer is yes, then by that standard, every false teacher is an elect. It doesn't matter what they teach, as long as they profess to believe in Christ. Likewise, all those professing Christians living carnal lives, living by double standards, they should all be elects, shouldn't they? But if your answer is no, 
the new affirming that there's practically no reason whatsoever for God to elect anybody for salvation. Because even a saved sinner, after all, is a sinner still. There's no just cause within us that qualifies our election. God does that out of His sovereign grace, mercy, and out of His infinite wisdom. Number three, not only does the foreknowledge view put a limit on God and turn God to the level of a helpless spectator, but it relies on a naive assumption of human free will, as if to suppose that free will is altogether spontaneous. When the Bible clearly states in Romans chapter 8 verse 7 that the carnal mind or the mind of the unbelieving or the unregenerate is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Number four, we tend to weigh divine justice on the scales of a human understanding of justice. Romans chapter 9 verses 14 to 18 reads as thus, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills he hardens. Now to all those who put the blame on God for electing sovereignly, because it doesn't seem just to them, I want to ask you, what do you really want? Do you want justice? Or do you want mercy? I think the Bible is interspersed with several passages that repeatedly remind us of the depths of our depravity. How we were dead in our trespasses and by nature were children of wrath. If God were to deal with us according to justice, he would not have let Jesus die for us and had instead sent us all down to the burning pits of hell. And I often wonder why Christians so often pray for their unbelieving relatives and friends that they be given the eyes to see and ears to hear. I don't understand why there is such a visible disconnect between what people pray and what they believe. God is a God of love and a God of mercy. He is merciful enough to save his elect from the wrath to come. The wrath that has been pronounced upon all sons of disobedience, as affirmed in Colossians 3.6. In the next episode, we'll examine just how loving God really is in electing to save us unconditionally. This is the Rational Fidaced Podcast, and you're listening to Fide Viva. Mm-hmm.